0: Been in the book of Hebrews since this time about last year almost, and we're nowhere near being done. You will recall my having said a number of times that from the half the halfway through chapter six to halfway through chapter ten. The writer to the Hebrews just focuses, very much focuses, without exhortation to anything, he focuses on who Jesus Christ is as a priest after the order of Melchizedek and how that contrasts with the priests of the old covenant, of the old law system, and how it is superior to that. There was one particular verse way back when we began to step into those four chapters that I knew needed to be held off for just a little bit of time to the appropriate spot. And I want to turn to it now. So we're going back into those four chapters. It's something we just kind of read and went by. And I just want us to focus for a few minutes on verse 26. I hope it will help set us up for what we're going to share in a few minutes in the Lord's table. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher Than the heavens. This is a description. Five things that are mentioned about our high priest. Jesus Christ. Of how he is different than the priests of the old covenant. And again. That's what he's contrasting in these four chapters. And here he speaks to the very essence if you will. The very nature of who this high priest. Jesus Christ is. Because if you'll allow us to refresh ourselves, all these other high priests, all this other priestly system, it was simply a symbol. It was like a placeholder until the real high priest, Jesus Christ, came and offered the real sacrifice that could actually accomplish something. So their role was significant as it looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, but it could not really accomplish much. Other than God was able to cover their sins of a given year so that he did not need to bring judgment upon them. And he could wait until that time when Christ came and those sins then could be dealt with at his cross. Notice these five characteristics of our particular high priest of this new covenant. It was fitting for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy. Now you understand, I'm sure many of you do at least by now, the, the significance of that word. Holy simply means something which has been set apart for a purpose, particularly for God's purposes. So Christ as high priest has come. He has been set apart for the particular purpose that we've been looking at, that we will remember here, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. So he is holy. He is set apart. The two words that I'd like us to... Uh, also spend a, just a little bit of time with, is harmless and undefiled. Another word for harmless is innocent. Um, the, when I looked into the original language on this one, I, it just kind of jumped out at me. This is one of those words that has what's called an alpha privative in front of it. We don't get that in the English translation. But the original, the, the root word to this is kakos, kakos. Now, the reason that jumped out to me is I can still remember from the first year in, in Greek, way back at the University of Illinois, before I was in seminary, taking Greek as an under, as a, a undergrad. I remember, and we had this one, one Greek professor, and he contrasted, Kalos, which means good, in essence, it's good, it's something that you would embrace, as opposed to kakos, which is that which is not good, something you would not embrace, something you would go as that's evil. And he would speak of that which is kalos, and that was kakos. Kalos, kakos. Well, this word is kakos, except it has a alpha privative in front of it, which means it. he's not kakos. So he's not evil. In essence, in his very nature, in his very being, he is not that which is broken, fallen, evil, dark, all of these other things that, that have straddled the previous priests of all the centuries prior to his coming and straddles all of mankind, is that we're all broken. We all have a fallen nature. The carnal mind is enmity with God, Scripture says. We all want our own way and what, instead of God's way. And we have all of this stuff that is in us. That is kakos. But Christ came without that in his very nature. That's number one. Number two is the next word is undefiled. And that is nothing from the outside. He has absorbed nothing from the outside. It's not that it was in his very nature. But something from the outside that he has taken upon himself. That he picked up over time. That he, he, he uh, sh- uh, walked shoulder to shoulder among us as a people. And we began to sully him. And who he was. He remained undefiled. Hebrews will later say that, um, you know, he walked here and did all this yet without sin. He never sinned. He didn't allow, none of this stuff that's around us ever stained him in any way. So from within, there is no evil in his nature. And from without, it was never sullied by his time walking shoulder to shoulder with us. He was separate from sinners. Now, friends, that's that's necessary and at the very essence of what we understand of what God is doing. It was necessary that someone other than us, someone other than like us, because as this passage is trying to say, for all of those high priests through the centuries and the other priests that were there through the centuries, they all had the same problem we have. And as such, they could not solve the very problem of our brokenness before God, of our unrighteousness before him, because they shared in it. We needed someone to come, someone to enter into this who is different than us, because no matter how incredible, we've seen a parade of people in the last couple months. We're talking about all of these things that are happening, amazing things that are going on. One of the things, like, like, let me just say this. One of the things I was so, as I've reflected on this for this summer, out of the eight people went to Vienna, we had a great time. Five were, I would say, 25 and under. At the same time, we've got Katja, who is doing summer staff at Cooperstown. We've got Dustin, who appears to be somewhat of a permanent staff for now at Cooperstown. We've got Nathan planning on returning to the Far East. And I know there have been times when, when my wife and I have asked, as we've watched what's going on with young people, we've asked the question, do they get it? Why, why are we serving in this context, Lord, when it seems like they don't get it? And I so encouraged to see there is God is at work in a next generation and they're getting it and they're yielding their lives and they're they're seeking as God impresses upon them. I may want you in service in, a, in this place for us for a week or a summer or five years and they're responding and God is at work in their lives and they're wonderful young people and I delight in each one. Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Thank the Lord for their response to God's call upon their lives. But as incredible as they are, all of them would profess the same thing. None of them are capable to help you and I in the problem of sin that we have in our life. We need something other. And that's not going to come in another generation of people in another generation. We need something from the outside, something other. And that something other came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why when we celebrate Christmas, it is important that we cling to the doctrine and the truth and the reality of the virgin birth. Because without that, if Jesus came into this earth as you and I have come into this earth, he's every bit as fallen and broken as you and I are. But he is separate from sinners. He's something other. And he has become... Higher than the heavens in that his death, burial and resurrection, he now sits in the heavens at the right hand of the father and he is there and he now brings an eternal priesthood that's within those four chapters that I've talked about, that he just sits in a different position and in a different place. And because he is the priest after the order of Melchizedek, who had no beginning and no end, at least in his, in his, um, account, uh, in the early chapters of the Bible, um, it gives us this sense of the eternality that Christ came from heaven, took on flesh, so he, he, he looked like us, he sounded like us, he talked like us, he ate like us. But he was separate from us because he did not have that sinfulness within him, and nor did he absorb it. And that was all proven that when he went to the cross and he carried out his role as our high priest, he was raised again for our justification and now sits higher than the heavens, higher than the angels, awaiting till everything is is put in subjection under him. What a magnificent description of our high priest, of our Savior. It is why we say without apology that what we are about to partake of here, which signifies the death, burial, uh, in resurrection of Jesus Christ, we will proclaim His death until He comes. That which we are about to enter into here, we, we make no apology that it is the only hope offered to mankind. Something had to come, someone had to come who is different than us, because not one person has walked the face of the earth other than Jesus Christ, could ever bear what 's necessary to be our substitute. And die in our place and pay the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And so we celebrate that. We worship Him for that. It's also why, if you know, you may come in here on some week, you may come in and say, "Why, Why should I go worship? I got nothing to worship God about. I've had this problem in my life. I've had this problem. I've had this go wrong. This is go wrong. God, why should I worship you? Right here is why we worship Him, because this is unchanging, this is eternal. This sacrifice is effective, and although this world is broken and will wound us and will harm us and will confuse us and will darken us at any chance it gets, this is always a reason to worship, always, and it never goes away. Amen? Amen. So we're going to invite you now to share in these elements and if I could, I don't need this to sound in any way um, unfriendly, but I need to make it clear. The elements here are for those who have understand what Christ has done and they have placed their faith in him. And they receive these elements as representative of what Christ has already done for him or her for their lives. Okay? They, they grasp what they represent And they have said, yes, Lord Jesus, I need your death on my behalf. And so we enter with delight into receiving this and being reminded of what he has done for us. May I encourage you, if you have never come to that place, if maybe for the first time lights are going on a little bit, things are beginning to make sense who Jesus Christ is and what he's done, but you have never come to that place where you have said, uh, Lord Jesus, I need you. I have no hope other than you then I encourage you, first, (laughs) proclaim that out right now. (laughs) Call on him now. Say, Lord, I'm getting it, and I need this. That would be my first encouragement. But if you're not there in in your walk right now, then I would encourage you also to please let the elements pass. Nobody will judge you for that. Nobody's paying attention to you on that. Let the elements pass. God is here wanting to minister to you. And I would ask you to wrestle with this question. It's between you and the Lord. I'd ask you to wrestle with this question. Lord, why am I not receiving this gift? What is it really that is persisting in me, in my spirit, that prevents me from yielding to you? Because you want to give me this incredible gift. Take some time to spend that time with the Lord and um, uh, do some work with him today. And for those of us for whom this represents our journey and where we are at Um, It's always a great time, one, to just be thankful. Envision yourself before the throne of Jesus Christ and recognize that uh, as he died there, he's paying the penalty for all of our sins. Every last one. That will will, uh, induce thankfulness in us if we will take that time. Also, he may want to do business with us about what is it we're hanging on to. Yeah, What is it we're hanging on to? They says, you know, I'd really like to relieve you of the burden of that particular sin, that bitterness, that anger, uh, that prejudicial spirit, uh, that contempt of somebody who's not like you, whatever it is that we know is there. And he says, I would love to free you from that if you will let me. And maybe now is the time to say, please, Lord, do that work in me. I've got to grow some in that area. All right? So as the elements are being passed, we have time now. It's quiet. We have time to do some business with God. And I invite you, wherever you're at, however these relate to it, do that business. And may God, by his spirit, indeed, change our lives because we've taken these moments together.